The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Very disappointing news to start the show today. We still do not have sound bites. Sean, you're killing me. Ladies and gentlemen, episode five of the kickoff. Gary is on a cruise right now. Come on now. (laughs) It's still your fault. Episode five of the kickoff is coming at you live here on the W2M Network. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Welcome in, everybody. Joining me, as per usual, my co-host, Brandon Biscabing. What's up? And filling in for the contractually unavailable Stephen Er the Third is our traditional producer Eric Watkins. Uh, glad I'm not on the ones and twos. That way, it ain't my fault. <laughs> well, the man who is on the ones and twos, and therefore it is his fault, is the head honcho and the man who could probably cut my microphone, Sean Garmer. Well, <laughs> uh, you're lucky that if I cut your microphone, I cut everybody else's microphone at the same time. <laughs> so I can't do that, but uh, I just want to make a point that n- nobody gets paid here. So Stephen is just contra- you know, Stephen is just missing as normal. Well, regardless, the phraseology that I would be looking for in regards to you not being able to cut my microphone then is Nana, Nana Boo Boo. All right, moving on. Let's get the show started and let's go with studs and duds. Eric, you're the fill-in this week. Why don't you go ahead and lead us off? My stud and honorable mention, Penn State, your uniforms that you rocked this week, please make that permanent. Hashtag so fresh and so clean, clean. But my stud happened to don that uniform. One Saquon Barkley. Now, it's one thing if you're the third guy in five years to record a touchdown run, touchdown pass, touchdown catch, and return touchdown in the same season. But when you're the first guy in at least a decade to, in a single game, 50 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, a touchdown pass, and a return touchdown in the same game, yeah, that that was pretty tough to beat. Someone came close, but that was tough to beat. Not only did he have the return touchdown, he took the opening kick back for six. Yeah, that was like, okay, um, the game's officially over. <laughs> yeah, refresh my memory. Back at Indiana. I was going to say, refresh my memory. Who did they play again? Aw, poor Chris Bernard. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, there's basketball season to look forward to. <laughs> not anymore, there's not. Anywho. <laughs> hey, Brand- Brandon, who's your stud? My stud for this week is Bryce Love. Yeah, Arizona State, not the gre- the greatest team in the world, but to put up three over 300 yards rushing and three touchdowns, that's got to be a stud in anyone's book. Great game for him this week. All right, so you know how when Eric chimed in a couple of weeks ago and his stud was Mark Walton from the University of Miami? Mm-hmm. Oh. And we all gave Eric grief about choosing one of his home team boys in order to uh, put them over on this particular show. Well, Uh guys, feel free to let the hurt rain because my stud for this week is Steven Hauschka. Kicker, Uh, Buffalo Bills. 
I, I, well, at least you have a legitimate reason, and plus the Bills, which is a shock to pretty much everyone in the world that has any inkling of understanding of football, are in first place of the AFC East. Spoken like a man whose team is zero and four. <laughs> yes, I know. Don't get me started. <laughs> We haven't said that in, what, a decade? We will be talking about said 0-4 teams a little bit later on, so stay tuned for that. Steven Hoschka became the first player in NFL history to have back-to-back games with multiple field goals of kicks over 53 yards. Both of those games that he had those back-to-back kicks in... Those scores were the difference in your final score. Buffalo 23, Atlanta 19. Unbeaten no more. I Now, a good friend of mine who is from New York, we have to say this just about every year. I'm going to say it now because it's true. The Bills are a legitimate threat. I save that because we're going to get to them a little bit later. Okay, just hold oh, your really? horses. <laughs> you're you're jumping the line you're jumping here. Jumping the Eric. gun here. <laughs> yeah, halt. No one goes there yet. <laughs> All right, dud time. Eric, hit us. You know, I get that you have you to make a transatlantic flight to London. I get that you have a quarterback who, let's face it doesn't necessarily show that he's interested all the time. I understand that entirely. But my dud, based upon sheer principle of the matter, the Miami Dolphins, how do you get shut out by New Orleans? How? There's just... I can't... I can't fathom that. I just... How? (laughs) Well, my fear, my working theory is now that Rob Ryan's no longer their defensive coordinator. They actually care. Yeah, but still, they're not known 100% for defense. In agreed. But at the same time, this is a this is a New Orleans defense that only allowed 13 against Carolina last week as well. Yes, but they at least scored 13. We get nothing. We, 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 we can't even get a late little just nothing. It was not a good week for Florida-based football teams. Oh, you ain't kidding. <laughs> well, that leads me into my dud. <laughs> You're up, Brandon. My dud for this week, Blake Bortles. Only 140 yards, one touchdown, one interception, Against the Jets. The Jets. In a a loss to said Jets, too. Yes, precisely. That that was almost a tie. Congratulations, Jaguars. You're now 0-2 in the Eastern Time Zone. Keep it up. Um, If it's any consolation, Eric, I think you still have to play Buffalo later in the year. (laughs) I can't. It's a, it's a radio podcast, so nobody can see it, but I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat over here. <laughs> oh, the look that I'm making right now. Just the... <laughs> so you guys ready? 
You guys ready for my dud for the week? Go for it. Okay, this is the National Football League. These players are supposed to be professionals, right? Specifically, these defenses are supposed to be professionals, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. How do you allow somebody to hang half a century plus on you? My my (laughs) dud for the week week is the Tennessee Titans defense. How? Like, how? Look, I get that Deshaun Watson has a ton of potential and that he has a lot of weapons with guys like Lamar Miller, guys like... Will Fuller, who made his return from his shoulder injury. Guys like DeAndre Hopkins, who might be the best receiver in the NFL that most people haven't heard of. They hung 57 on you. You should be embarrassed when a team hangs 57 on you. You should give your paychecks to charity when you let a team score 57 on you. This is what happens when you have Matt Castle as your quarterback. Matt Castle wasn't quarterback the entire game. They, they, they ran away with it after Matt Castle was the quarterback. It was already 21 nothing before Mariota got hurt. 21 nothing is nothing. 21 nothing has been on the defense. Yes, it does. If the offense can't keep the ball and the defense has to constantly keep going out there, it sure as hell does affect them. That's true. This is an NFL defense allowing 57 points, Sean. <laughs> These are also human beings. It doesn't matter. It's also an NFL offense throwing. Tennessee played Houston in a Pac-12 game broke out. (laughs) Hey, you just said it. Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller, who hasn't had all season. That's a big deal. Will Fuller's their over-the-top guy. He makes a huge difference. I'm not debating that Houston's offense can be very, very dangerous, but I still don't understand how an NFL defense can allow a se- half a century plus. How many? I mean, I'm we've sorry. Seen it, we've seen it plenty. Of, I mean, didn't Buffalo allow half a century to, on the Patriots at one point? Uh, n- no. The most we ever allowed to New England was 43. Thank you for playing. Moving That's on. still pretty close. Well, so if we're talking Tennessee, remember the one uh, throwback uniforms in the snow in Foxborough that ended 59 nothing. So Titans fans have been through this before. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, we love you, but come on. Really? <laughs> 57 as an NFL defense? Uh, no. All and right. correct me if I'm wrong, but as a segue to a future podcast, they play in Nashville, right? Oh, yes. my God. We're not starting this again, Eric. I'm just saying that as a frame of reference. Putting that out there. Moving on. I know, I know arena defenses that don't allow 57 a game. Especially the Anywho. <laughs> hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of defenses, shout out to Buffalo's defense, too. The number one ranked scoring defense in the NFL right now. Once again, I re- once again, I refer you all back to my earlier, Nana, Nana Boo Boo. All right, moving on. So Homerism is strong here. (laughs) The homerism homerism has been strong since day one on this show, Sean. Well, I mean, since someone decided to finally play like an NFL team and they've got the best record of any fandom on this podcast, I got to sit and take it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my team didn't lose to the Jets. I win by default. (laughs) Why? And your team is also not 0-4. 
Damn you, Catanzaro! <laughs> I, I, I blame Chandler Catanzaro. It's always his fault. All right, anyway, moving on here. Let's go ahead and move away from our studs and duds and move into our next topic. So, that happened. All right, so a, a thing came out on ESPN's Twitter, on one of the reporters for ESPN's Twitters, of the most point, the most cash spent by a university to bring a team in for a fluff game to lose. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, that paycheck. (laughs) And we talked about this game as being one to watch last week on this very show. Troy 24, LSU 21. You know what's ironic about this? That was my kind of secondary, like, oh, it'll never really happen, but I just tossed it out as a potential um, upset in uh, Are You Serious, and it actually happened. I don't think Troy gets the, the credit they deserve for being the program that they are. This is a conference that Stephen was giving me crap about the Sunbelt earlier today, but he's not here to defend himself today, so I can go ahead and say this here. This is a Sunbelt conference that sent five teams to bowl games last year. These guys aren't slouches. They get weekly national exposure on ESPN2 on their Wednesday game of the week. I'll agree with you, but at the same time, I do agree with what Stephen says because the Sunbelt is the league that most teams when they first get called up from FCS that is the conference that they get put in and it is the lowest of the low well well, the Sunbelt Conference USA, the Mid-American any one of those three realistically yeah but I mean I kind of had to say when I saw the score as this was going on first of all $985,000 is nothing to sneeze at Second of all, and yes, I know I'm going to talk a little smack about the ACC when I say this, but LSU has no business having Syracuse hanged up with them. <laughs> if, if you're in that sort of a position, yeah, <clears throat> a very quality, very competent group of five program like Troy, they'll come out and beat you. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Syracuse because it was Syracuse's record that tro- that uh, LSU broke. Because Syracuse had paid just about 950000 to Middle Tennessee State to come to the Carrier Dome and get beaten. Hmm. Wow. That, I, yeah, that, words, just, oh, <laughs> Christ. Oh, what, um, uh, uh, LSU, I, I I hope it was worth it hiring Ed Ogeron from USC. <laughs> I, I I do because he's about to be unemployed after the season's over. Congratulations! If he even makes it through the season at this point, and I get what he did at USC, but um, did any anybody see Ed Ogeron at Ole Miss and? That didn't quite work out 100% well. <laughs> life in the SEC, man, I'm telling you. Uh, not even life in the Sun Belt. Ed Ogeron can't handle life in the Sun Belt. That's, <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, LSU, I mean, 
I don't even know how they were ranked to begin with, other than, you know, the whole, oh, it's the SEC bias, but, you know, this... Don't get me started, Brandon. Well, oh, I, I will. To, to be fair, kind of, they did put on a half-decent performance against BYU, maybe? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's uh-oh? I'm still here. I'm Go giving on. Brandon a I'm giving Brandon a chance to explain. Uh, I mean, Eric was talking and then he just faded yeah. out all of a sudden. Oh, well, can oh, you, you hear me now? Yeah, yes. now we can. Okay. Ah, podcast problems. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um Go ahead, Brandon. Explain your theory about the SEC here, because I can tell you right now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the SEC in buy or sell, but go ahead. The SEC, while yes, on paper, they may be the the best conference in the country. Paper, but, computer metrics, attendance rates. No, no, I, I, no I, I understand this, but there are two things that are very different well, there are two things that you have to take into consideration when you look at those stats and, you know, just the conference in general. For one, you are you have one team that is leaps and bounds above everyone else. So it's not nearly as competitive as everyone thinks it is. You see, and- I, I okay, allow me to retort here. I think you could make that segment argument about the ACC with Clemson. Clemson but is he, so far and away better than everybody else in the ACC. By that logic, that makes the Big Ten the best conference because well, they yes. have. The, but all three of the Big Ten's best teams are all on the same side of the conference as well. So that makes the Big Ten West well, chop flipper in even, comparison. I'm not even talking about it in terms of divisions or anything. I'm just talking conference in general. But that's one thing. And then the second thing, while yes, it's easier to see this and and it's easier to uh for this to matter more in basketball because the games actually matter but i compare the sec a lot to the old big east in basketball where everyone is so good and you know all the games are competitive and everything minus alabama obviously but where once they're always everyone in the SEC is so highly ranked every year and then come bowl season they lose like half their bowls well you got to look at it from the perspective that the SEC excuse me the SEC teams are constantly beating each other up in these matches oh, they I have I agree with you I agree with you but the but people on the basketball side would say the same thing about the Big East every year where you know it was always considered the best conference in the country but then come tournament time because of how competitive and how brutal the schedule was the conference play was they'd be tired out by tournament time and they wouldn't be able to make a run See, I would disagree with that when it comes to the Big East being the best basketball conference before either, but that's neither here nor there in a discussion for a different show if you yeah. were to go with our college basketball format. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, I'm not you know, trying to bring that into it. I'm just using that as an example, as a comparison to the SEC being considered the 
best conference in football where, you know, yes, they're very competitive during the season and everything, and they're very strong, and they get, you know, they get the votes into the top 25 because of the prestige of the conference. But then come top, come bowl season when they're having to face other conference teams and comparable teams, half the time, more often than not, they're losing those games. And I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you because I've seen it firsthand what can happen here. Um, my Gators played Michigan in a New Year's Day Bowl a couple of years ago and got absolutely bitch slapped. Exactly. And I'm not going to say that a part of that isn't the fact that our teams constantly take it out on each other based on the style of game we play. But at the same time, we're not the only conference that plays that physical kind of football either. So I can't use that as a sole excuse. As far as the voters overranking SEC teams, I do think that does happen. But I believe that that comes from the quality of opposition faced inside of the conference. When you're constantly going against the Auburns and the Alabamas and the Floridas and the Georgias of the world, they're going to make you better teams because you're going to have to come together in order to try to beat these games, or in the case of Alabama, to at least try to stay close to Bama. Look at what all the smack-talking Vanderbilt was doing, and look what happened to them two weeks ago. I'll, I'll agree with that, but I think it, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think it's a combination of that being true, but it's also the fact that because of that you know, perceived parity and that perceived prestige of the conference, that a win or a you know a very close loss against a certain team is looked at more favorably on a team like an LSU or a South Carolina or an Auburn or whoever in the SEC than it would of any team in a different conference. See, I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to use our own W2M Network Top 25 poll from two weeks ago as my foundation for that because there are people that, based on the performance that they had against Penn State in the game against Penn State and Iowa City, put Iowa into their Top 25s. Iowa then proceeded to get beaten by Sporty this week, so it ended up being all for naught. Yeah. I mean, it happens in other conferences, too, but, you know... And, and things are starting to change where more people are talking about the Big Ten now and and the parity within the Big Ten is getting better. So they're starting to take that jump into the top conference conversation, or a lot of people are saying they are the top conference. So they're getting that recognition I, and that preferential treatment as a result, but that used to be exclusively an SEC thing. Top to bottom, I don't think the Big Ten's as good as the SEC is because the Big Ten still has programs like Illinois, Indiana, and Rutgers in it. And well, frankly, yeah, I'll agree with that. But I frankly, mean, Indiana, Illinois, and Rutgers cannot hang with the Vanderbilt, South Carolinas, and Kentuckys of the world. At least not when it comes to football. Eric, you've been kind of quiet during this conversation here. You're an ACC guy. What are your thoughts on this? Well, honestly, and I have to go back to way, way back when the idea of the SEC championship game was first brought up. Now, we're talking late 80s here. And the common theme throughout not just the SEC, even back then, just throughout football in general, was what is the SEC doing? All these other teams are going to beat each up even more anyways. How are they going to hang and possibly win titles? Now, this is when Alabama was also on their upswing. And in a six-year split, in a six-year span, split national championship games with Mike Haynes, which I'm actually not bitter about because especially we got them first. But 
I think after all this time, now that we've had it for a little over 25 years, this is what's kind of coming to fruition. The SEC has been the leader in saying, hey, we see all of this talent migrating to our part of the football landscape. We are going to up our quality of teams, so the fact that we're going to expand our conference to have a championship game in the first place. That put more pressure, even before the SEC West became Kings, to really step up the quality of play all around. Now with the Big Ten, even though, again, Nebraska hasn't panned out, Maryland hasn't panned out yet, Rutgers, Rutgers, <laughs> they are so far behind because even with Alabama dominating, that prestige came from Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, eight consecutive national championships at and shots at another two or three. Tennessee was in the mix before they lost to LSU in the championship game, costing them a date in the Rose Bowl with Miami. You had Auburn going undefeated, but thanks to the craziness of the BCS, they had to settle for a perfect season in a Sugar Bowl win. So, Really, it's there, and I will say top to bottom, they are better overall, even though their bottom is pretty terrible. Look at the bottoms of these other conferences. As much as I want Vanderbilt to win the SEC East one of these years for reasons, I know it's not going to happen, which makes me happy. But still, you put them against an Illinois or one of these teams, or even an ACC bottom feeder. They're going to put a whooping. Honestly, it's going to take time for the Big Ten to catch up to something like this. And you mentioned the fact that Vanderbilt's kind of an SEC bottom feeder. And I think that they're an improving team in the SEC. I don't think they're there yet. But let's consider what happened when they faced arguably the third or fourth best team in the Big 12 this year in Kansas State and beat them in Manhattan. Yep. Yeah. So all these people that are saying all this stuff about the SEC not being the best conference in college football, to all these people that are saying it, I tell you, then tell your teams to step up. Tell your conferences to start tell – your, tell your teams in your conferences to start recruiting the kind of players that the SEC gets on a consistent basis. And well, then you I guys mean, go into the kind of runs that the SEC has done over, as Eric, as Eric said, the course of six or seven straight national championships – well, I mean, that whole recruiting thing, that's a whole different animal in and of itself. And, and I think for the kind recruiting aside, let's face it, the Big Ten was at its best when the best college football players were in the Midwest. Yeah. Where are the best college football players now? In the South. Who gets yeah. first dibs? The SEC. However... I have to give credit to my own conference in the ACC. Now that they've got a lot better coaching crop over the past couple of years, we're starting to make strides. I think we're going to be in the race with the Big Ten for who, maybe in due time, will overtake the SEC. And I will I also the, give credit. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. The the issue that the ACC is going to have moving forward when it comes to that is that 
the ACC has two big problems. One is that they're very top-heavy, and two is that they are, I mean, obviously not as bad as the Big East, but they are split to an extent where you have, you know, yes, you have the Clemsons, you have the Florida States, you have, you know, the well, even Louisville's kind of half and half. But, you know, you have you have the Miamis of the world um, who are football schools, but then you do have a lot of schools in the ACC who first thing you think of is not football. So that is an issue that they're going to have moving forward is that the ACC will always be more known as a basketball conference over football. I will 100% agree with that. The other thing that I was going to say as far as the AC, the SEC and the ACC thing goes, you mentioned the fact that the, the, the ACC has stepped up its coaching crop. In my opinion, the best coach in college football right now is in the ACC. Dabo? Dabo Sweeney, because mm-hmm. anybody anybody could do what Nick Saban has done with the talent that Alabama gets. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney has been Dabo Sweeney has been able to constantly rotate players in and out off of injuries, off of graduations, off of early leaves, such as was the case with Deshaun Watson. And Clemson hasn't missed a beat going from Deshaun Watson to Kelly Bryant. And not not just that, but Clemson before you know two or three years ago, Clemson wasn't exactly the top be all end all school for they were. A- they were a six and six, seven and five team until Sweeney got there. Well, and not yeah. just that, but for in terms of name recognition, they weren't exactly you know a team that people were like, "Ooh, Clemson, I'm gonna go there." No, well, this they, also, he had to work to get those recruits, and that also has to do with Clemson spending the money to upgrade their facilities as well. Because I remember reading an article in Sports Illustrated about the updated facilities right after Clemson mm-hmm. won the national title because it was before the season started last year that the facilities at Clemson University were upgraded. I mean, even within their own state prior to you know them going on this run, I would say they weren't the top school. No, South Carolina, especially when Spurrier was the coach at South Carolina. Exactly. Ball coach. <laughs> All right. So we've discussed this a little bit longer than I intended to, but again, a good conversation breaks out here. And it, frankly, it, it's a debate that will constantly rage on no matter how many times we have yeah. it, no matter how many people discuss it. So I feel like it's time to move on and move on to some other stories from this week in football. And one of the other stories that I want to talk about, too, is the fact that, as Eric mentioned, they see they still insist on playing these games overseas in London. Um, Eric. Look, I, I I appreciate the NFL wanting to take its network to a net, to a global basis. I get that, but at the same time, it's not fair to the teams that have to go play these games and then have to come back stateside and play again. No, and it used to be tradition was when you only had the one London game a year, which was fine. It was a nice little quirk, especially since they got rid of the old international series in the preseason where teams played in Japan. Fine. But it used to be you went, you played in London, you came back, had a bye week immediately after, then you played the rest of your schedule. Now as you're getting more and more games, more and more teams in London, that's not happening. And especially in the case of the Dolphins, they're already not having a bye week because they had to move the game against Tampa Bay because of Irma. 
So now, after playing, you have to go all the way to London, now all the way back and play again, and you're only not even a quarter through uh, your old school straight 16-game schedule. That's going to take a terrible toll. I'm not a big fan of this. Yeah, no, neither am I. I just, you know, why this should be, yes, I understand you're trying to expand more into England and you're trying to give them more NFL, but at most do maybe, you know, two or three games a year. And it shouldn't be the same teams. It should be different teams. And like... Like Eric said, do it in the middle of the season with those teams then subsequently getting buys. And not to mention, I don't know, I mean, I haven't, I'd have to pull up the schedule for who exactly, but you know, the East Coast, yeah, it's a five hour difference. But uh-huh. have any, have any Western teams gone over there at all? I believe, I, the 49ers I believe have gone over there. Yeah, that's an, Eight-hour difference. Oh, yeah, that's, but that's why was, you go over there a week before. It doesn't matter at that point. Oh, okay. They do go over a week before. Okay, unless so you're the Dolphins and you're idiots much. and you go over there three days before. Yeah. I, I would Look, assume that most. Te- I would assume that most teams that are playing in London probably go after their game on Sunday, so they probably fly over on Monday. Okay, so it's not as bad, but still, you know. I would say, first of all, you have to remember that these teams choose. A lot of these teams are asked before the season or, you know, before they do the schedule, do you want to go to London? (laughs) Oh, okay. And they go. Okay. Some of them, some of them are, they, you play into it. It's like, uh, I think one year it was, if the Cowboys got third, they would wind up playing when the Rams were still in St. Louis, but Washington got third and the Cowboys didn't go or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's, some of them are played into, some of them are chosen. I think that we're arguing a moot point. The NFL might get to a point where you play, everybody has a game in London. It's just going to get bigger. It's not going to get smaller. Oh, no, I, I understand that completely. But, you know, they just need to figure out a way where doing a London game does not completely make the the rest of the season, you know, at least another week be, you know, something that's, you know, it, it shouldn't be a hindrance to those teams. I, I think, and I just want to make this point real quick. Why did they have it as such a good idea to change it and have its own as kind of a special into a 9.30 kickoff. I was just fine when it was part of the 1 o'clock window. Because well, I think it's that better has to be for the people in England. Yeah, the I, reason for that is so that it's a, yeah. an afternoon It's game. at a 3.30 kickoff time, which is 8.30. Still, no, it's, it's oh, oh, wait, oh, okay. 3.30 you're over there. Like 2.30, yes, 3.30 no, over there. No, it's 2.30. Like this time of year, it would actually be closer to 2.30 if you're yeah, looking at between our time and British summertime. But the, the old games it's, it's been, also so you're – it's still during a time where they're used to having games played. Like you're still having yeah. the soccer games played around that time. So it's okay. And now that the EPL even changes their game that they do, they, they have a 
a game that nobody really cares about that Sunday when they know the NFL is going to be there. And oh, I haven't so that everybody that. focuses on the the NFL. I haven't I haven't even noticed that because I thought Man U played like two weeks ago on Sunday. Man City, no. Man Man City, but there wasn't an NFL game up against it. Oh, okay. All right, well that's that's a conversation for the soccer to the max show, however, hmm. which you can find Eric and Sean on here on the W2M Network show. All right, moving on. Um, so professional athlete says something stupid. Shocker, right? <laughs> Kim yes, Newton, sir. really? Like, why? What? Oops. For him to hear women reporters talking about routes being run and stuff. It, it, there's a part of me that says, given the stuff that I say on a regular basis, I couldn't hack it as a professional athlete, but. Even I would have the sense not to do or say this. I mean, really? Cam, there's got to be a better filter between your brain and your mouth. I've learned that the hard way. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can learn. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it doesn't change. You know, it doesn't make it. You're not going to be an expert on it. But, I mean, I haven't, st- you know, I've just played basketball on a, you know, intramural level. But I remember when I was calling basketball games, I was calling out, you know, uh, play, you know, screens and, and looking at defenses and whatnot. And I knew what was going on as a color commentator. So, you know... People can learn things, and football, especially where it's, you know, it's much slower paced and, you know, you can see what's going on directly with everyone. Someone can learn about routes and and defenses and all of that very easily. So, you know, I don't I don't understand it. I would take this opportunity to point out the cam that traditionally the misogyny in regards to the relations of athletes and reporters stays on the reporter side of the fence. See the great Howard Cosell. Just shut your mouth, Cam. Just shut up. There's no, there's no nice way to put it. Just shut up. (laughs) Go on, rock your outfits and slowly merge into your second career as being a runway model or fashion designer, whatever. (laughs) Okay. No, no. You know what? You know what? Cam should focus on putting in his mouth instead. His delicious Dan and yogurt, available in the grocery store section. <laughs> hey, that drinkable Greek is delicious now. Hashtag triple zero. Man, we are really shooting for an advertising deal on this show. Aren't we? <laughs> I've been trying with this network. There is. Sean knows my plight in this area. <laughs> There, there is no depth to which we won't stoop in order to try to get an advertising deal. I'm just saying. <laughs> Do we have anything else to bring up and so that happened here? No. Not incredibly that I can think of. I mean, nothing too major, but, you know, going back to what our big discussion last week, uh, Fox decided to not show the national anthem 
dirt before the game. Good. All. Good. Because if and you don't show it, and if ESPN you don't show was, it, then the... ESPN quick, was going to do it before uh, the Las Vegas thing. Just real quick, good. Stop showing the national anthem on television. If there's no anthem to show, if there's no players to show during the anthem, there's no reason for everybody to pitch such a gigantic bitch about it. Even though people were still bitching about it, saying that, like, boycott Fox and everything. So you can't win with those people. No, you you can't. And I say, honestly, fantastic move in not showing it. Everybody has said their piece. They've got their point across. Now I think we can keep the dialogue forward in other ways and move on. Well, there is one other thing that we kind of have to touch on since Brandon brought up the topic at hand, and that would be the fact that Tennessee needed a new backup quarterback this week, and they went and signed one. Brandon Whedon. For those of you who don't. For those of you who don't know who Brandon Whedon is, and frankly, most of us wouldn't blame you for not knowing, he used to be the quarterback for the Browns, the Cowboys, <laughs> the Bucks, and about a handful of other NFL teams here. I mostly think of him as a Browns quarterback. Browns, Cowboys, Texans. Oklahoma State is where I most associate him with because oh, that, yes. one, that, was one team he, that was one team he couldn't get cut by. <laughs> well, I mean, That's Mike Gundy actually did decent <laughs> what wasn't he there when they won the uh Fiesta Bowl? I believe so. But the point being is that there were a lot of people who were really upset about the fact that it was Brandon Whedon signed and not Colin Kaepernick. Um talent wise it's hard to argue. But yeah. it is we had a conversation on this on the football thread over for W2M, and if you join the Wrestling to the Max Facebook group, you can feel free to join us in our chat that we have for the football over there as well. Brandon Whedon doesn't bring the off the field distractions that Colin Kaepernick would. Yeah. And I think that there is a large portion of owners who are deciding that they do not want that kind of media. So circus associated with their team. And frankly, there was talk going around during the off season that Buffalo might sign Colin Kaepernick. And I will be the first person to say that I wanted no part of Kaepernick on my team. Colin Kaepernick is the, antithesis of Tim Tebow where they are both guys that can be serviceable backups and if you need to throw them in there throw them in there but they are not they did not get signed because of their off the field uh issues and for opposite reasons it, it, you know, say this. Well, I mean, technically, it's both because of their beliefs, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, well, yes, exactly. Go ahead, Eric. Well, and, and this is true, and I'm glad you bring it up because with someone who I had to endure the Tim Tebow drama hardcore <laughs> from the fact that he actually went to high school not far from where I work to his press conference for where he was going to sign through his entire career in Florida. And then and then after his, well, let's just say, subpar stint with the Broncos, the fact that the Jaguars were in the mix for signing him, and since we were still terrible, and this was also during the Blaine Gabbert days, and blah, 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 blah. I figure, no, we shouldn't sign him, not because of his beliefs or whatever, 
But because as a professional quarterback, he is god-awful, no pun intended. Uh, Aren't you a Mets fan, Eric? No. Oh, I thought you were. No, Rays. Which, oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say, how do you uh, enjoy him being on your uh, in your farm system? Yeah. It's, it's a it's a publicity stunt, but at the oh, same time, it's understandable for a minor league baseball franchise. When you're a football, when you're a national football yeah. league franchise, it's not the kind of publicity well, that you want following you around. Well, we yeah. saw how well that worked uh, when the Jets signed him. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, he would have been an upgrade from Mark Sanchez. Oh, I agree with that, but that was just a disaster because the Jets front office signed him specifically because they knew it would be a boost in popularity and whatnot. And then in spite of the fact that Mark Sanchez sucked and everyone was calling for him to put him in, Rex Ryan made it a point of principle, basically, to say, no, I'm not going to put Tebow in. And that caused the disaster. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the front office, because even during the preseason, the Jaguars front office was put under the gun again, even to the point to where you can still see the picture with the fan in the stands wearing a number seven Colin Kaepernick Jaguars jersey. And I'm thinking to myself, Blake Bortles really isn't panning out too well. Why Chad Henney is still a professional quarterback for any franchise boggles my mind. If you're not going to start him, yes, you're dealing with the big circus anyway. The Jaguars are known for having all kinds of issues between Justin Blackman and the owner going out and trying to build other stuff locally to help the town, blah, 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 blah. I get it. Kaepernick would have blended in all with that with the media circus. And who knows? He supposedly is still working out. I think he has talent. And he's given him a legitimate chance. Sadly, no. And uh, another ounce stupidity by uh, Jacksonville. But, I mean, the the issue that I think, and, you know, they're smart for at least realizing that this is one of their weaknesses, is that I think a lot of, th- a lot of teams, you basically have two types of teams in the NFL. You have the teams that are that are the upper echelons who are in bigger markets who understand how to control the media and how to control something like that who don't need him right now on a football level. Teams like the Patriots, teams like the Giants, teams like the Packers, teams like the Cow. Well, I don't know if I'd really say Cowboys, but you know, um, <laughs> but you know teams that understand how to control something like that and then you have everyone else who if they did sign him it would become a huge media circus and they would be overwhelmed by it and that's the reason why they're not signing him is because they understand that they are not suitably prepared for something like that all right, I do believe that enough time has been spent here with the with the Kaepernick discussion, and if you guys 
would like to interact with us about this, by all means, feel free to find us over at Wrestling to the Max, the Wrestling to the Max group on Facebook, and we'll start posting these episodes inside of the Facebook group, and we'll be happy to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on these topics, and maybe we can add some listener feedback to some future episodes if you guys raise some valid points, and we can kind of talk it out amongst ourselves. Yeah, what it is time. What it is time for us to do, though, is bring back our buy or sell segment that we traditionally do here that was absent last week due to the previously mentioned elephant in the room segment that we did instead, focusing on the issue with the anthem and the players kneeling and all that at hand. So let's go ahead and get back into buy or sell. Um, Eric, you've won the coin toss. Are you uh, are you going first or second? And if you're going first, which topic do you want? I will go second. Okay, Brandon, which topic do you want, college, the NFL, or the mixture? I'll do NFL first. All right, buy or sell. Of the four teams left in the NFL at 0-4, the New York Giants are the most surprising. Oh, definitely buy that. I mean, look at the other teams that are 0-4 right now. You have Cleveland, no surprise there whatsoever. The Chargers... Not really that much of a surprise there. And you have the San Francisco 49ers, which has been a joke since last year. The Giants, a lot of people, myself included, I'm I won't be I I won't uh hold anything back. I am a Giants fan, so that may have played a little bit into it. But even with even without that bias, uh you know, there were a a decent amount of people who thought that the Giants would at least be contenders in the NFC East this year. You thought uh, there were there were two people on this panel who thought the Giants were going to win the going, NFC East this you, year. You and I both exactly and, wrong. And, I, I, I picked I picked Dallas. Oh yes, Steven. you picked Dallas. Correct. So that Steven. was yes, me and Steven said it. So you know. The fact that the Giants were expected to be at least a reasonably good team, definitely over 500 this year, and they go in and and 0-4, and not just 0-4 to very good teams. I mean, yes, Philly is 3-1 and right now, but you know, no one really expected Philly to do all that much this year going into the season. You know... Tampa Bay, who, you know, Tampa Bay is, isn't doing all that well themselves this year. Um, you know, I mean, they are 2-1, and one, but, you know, they're not, they're not world beaters. Let's put it that way. So the teams that they're losing to, you're not, you're not thinking that those are going to be teams that the Giants should be losing to, especially if they're going to be the team that everyone expected going into the season. So, yeah, the Giants definitely are the most surprising 0-4 team. And, I mean, I hate to say it because he's been a great coach for them. Well, actually, I take that back. I'm I'm thinking two years ago. But, um, you know... How how long how much longer do they uh how much longer do they let Ben McAdoo hang on? How long how much longer do they go until they say we have to make a change here? So what you're saying is he's in deep McAdoo. Oh yes, precisely. 
Duly noted. Eric? Uh, Honestly, I myself, I'm going to have to buy that as well. I mean, I knew the Browns until they get a full top-down revival of that organization. They're going to be terrible. I think the Chargers are flat-out unlucky. They're continuing to go through this psychological slump to where they can't win close games. So, 0-4, how they've gone 0-4, that makes sense. San Francisco, we knew that was a bad team that was going to be in a rebuild mode this season, next season as well. I understand that. But while I didn't have the Giants winning the division, I had them taking a wild card. I figured they would get the issues with their offensive line together, try to figure out, build a couple more weapons around Odell Beckham Jr., which with Brandon Marshall I thought they had, but Eli Manning's running for his life. Their defense is mediocre at best. Nothing's really clicking. And Ben McAdoo is not going to get the same pass that Tom Coughlin did because he hasn't won enough. Exactly. If this is a team that finishes 5-11, and he's probably out the door. Oh, yes. Oh, if they finish under 500, especially, I mean, you guys, well, um, yeah, you guys haven't ever lived in the New York market. That place is brutal. If you, Especially with a team like the Giants, where... Their fans expect to be contenders every year. Yeah, so, they're part of the old firm in New York. Exactly. Giants, Yankees, those two teams especially, if you're having a bad season, you're going to hear about it every single day. So if they go under 500, there is no chance in hell that Ben McAdoo is still the head coach of the New York Giants next next season. Okay. As as a wrestling fan, it took everything in me not to sing Vince McMahon's theme. Oh, song. I know. So, I know. That was the point. I, 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 I vote that we move on here. Uh, I'm going to say that I think I, I think it's crystal clear that the Giants are the biggest surprise, but I think the, the Chargers, to me, are just as big of a surprise, if only because of the sheer amount of talent on that team, specifically being – Arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL in Phillip Rivers and the greatest tight end to ever play the game in Antonio Gates. Yeah, I can't argue, especially with that last one. All right. Um, Eric, you're receiving this time. Is it college or is it the mixed question? I'm going to take the college question this time. Buy or sell, you genuinely believe that Clemson should be ranked number one in the country right now. As much as it pains, as much as it pains me to do this, I gotta sell. I know with their schedule, it is horrendously tough. Three top fifteen teams. They've been kind of lighting the world on fire, especially Kelly Bryant doing his thing, making people kind of remember Deshaun Watson a little bit less, but. I'm sorry, Alabama, really, they came into this season as a little bit of the more talented team. They reloaded better. And 
with how they started, they haven't done anything really to lose number one. Especially after 59 nothing against Vanderbilt. Eek. Not to mention not to mention the beating they put on Florida State in the opener, too. Brandon. Man. Yeah, yeah. When they were supposed to be the top team, it was the greatest opening game ever. Sorry, I gotta sell. Brandon. Yeah, I have to sell this as well. I mean, yes, Clemson has been doing very well, especially with having a brand new quarterback and everything. But like you guys said, Alabama just hasn't shown anything that even remotely says maybe we should drop them down to two. They destroyed Vanderbilt. They beat Florida State week one. There's just nothing that they've done that there's no reason to move them down. No matter how good Clemson plays, Alabama would have to do something to make the voters think about it. It's Alabama's number one to lose. The reason I ask this question is because, as I mentioned, you can find the Wrestling to the Max W2M Network top 25 on the, the W2M website, www.w2mnet.com, and it is on me for not plugging that earlier. I apologize, Sean. That being said, you can find our top 25 on there. And out of a possible eight of us vote in the top 25, three of which are on this podcast right now, for the one of the other voters on this, in this poll as well is sitting in the control room, and he is actually one of the ones who voted for Clemson as number one this week. Sean, out of a possible two hundred points, because there were eight polls filed under a twenty-five to one scoring system, Alabama had one hundred and ninety-eight. Clemson had one hundred and ninety-four. That's why I say it's that close now. Me personally is being one of those voters. I will say this now. If Alabama gets a scare on the same weekend that Clemson blows someone out, I will make a stronger argument and I could potentially vote Clemson number one. Exactly. But if that doesn't happen, Brandon put it perfectly. It's Alabama's crown to lose. Okay, to to me though, that would depend on who that scare comes against, though, because of how loaded yeah. the SEC is. Well, yeah, of course. If but, Alabama, if if Alabama gets gets a scare put them into them by LSU after what happened to LSU against Troy, then yeah, maybe I might be a little bit more inclined to feel, uh oh, maybe they've lost something there. If Alabama right. gets a scare put into them by a Georgia team who is just blowing out everybody, including Tennessee this past weekend, forty-one nothing, then I'm not going to think twice about that. That's still Alabama's overall number one. Not at well, all. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, but, the good teams are supposed to scare you, especially one, as you say, in Georgia. Volunteers <laughs> shut out for the first time in over 20 years. <laughs> that doesn't that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I, if, if you're looking for a go-to game in the SEC this year, Eric, it might be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Because yeah. odd, odds <laughs> are that probably decides the SEC East. Oh, that's oh. definitely going to decide the SEC East. And I mean, Mike... Coming too. <laughs> my uh, 
My Gators are three and zero in the SEC. We got another one this weekend here, unfortunately, where the CBS three thirty game against LSU, who I would imagine is going to come into this game pissed off that they lost at home to uh, to Troy. So we'll see what happens. They don't lose in Death Valley often, and they almost never lose in Death Valley to a non Power Five school. Yeah, I, I think I. I think I saw a stat that this is like the second time it's ever happened that a team outside of the top 25 has come into Death Valley and beaten LSU. Wow. Yeah, they had a streak of what? Especially non-conference at home 50 in a row? It's It's some ridiculous number, yeah. All right, Brandon, you're getting your wish. And the reason I say that is you asked me to come up with an idea for buy or sell of legit or not. So for the mixture question, we're going to go with legit or not for our final one. And that is going to be two teams each from the NFL and from college. And we're going to look at their records. We're going to look at who they've played. We're going to look at what their schedule still holds. And we'll determine if we think that their start is legitimate or not. And the very first one is, as Chris Berman would say, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Brandon, do you buy the Bills as a legitimate contender this year? Uh, I really want to just because of how the AFC East has been this year. Um, but I just don't see it. How about you, Eric? Do you buy Buffalo as legit, yes or no? Yes. I said it at the outset. The Bills are a legitimate threat. I mean, looking at the AFC East, Dolphins, well, we saw what happened in London. Odds are stacked against them. The Jets, you don't play Jacksonville every single week. Sorry. The Patriots, you're statistically the worst defense in the National Football League. Giving up so a little more than 400 yards a game. Buffalo, if they keep this up, we're talking a potentially 10-win team. Maybe slightly more. I don't, know. I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but yeah, they're legit. All right, Eric, I'll start with you on this one, and that would be the team that's going to lead into my my rant for Get It Together, the Los Angeles Rams. Currently, le- currently leading the NFC West at 3-1. and one. They are, and they have a high-powered offense. Fantastic offense. Offense, a great weapon filled offense. But I do not think that they are legit in a lot of parts because of their defense. As is, you kind of got a little lucky and that 41 39 Thursday night thriller against San Francisco. And you made some clutch plays at the end to beat the Cowboys, but you cannot keep this up through a 16-game season. You just can't. 
And I think Seattle, if things keep going and they get on the right track, they're going to nip at your heels. Didn't think I would say that at the beginning of the season because of the preseason, but at this point, it's very possible. Brandon. What team is it we're talking about? The Los Angeles Rams. I no. I no, they are not legit. I I think I think they're gonna start coming down as well. And that NFC West I think is just too powerful for them. I think what happens to Los Angeles is once they start playing the Seattles and the Arizonas of the NFC, they come back to earth real quick. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They've been a- they've been able to run up extravagant offensive numbers, but most of those numbers have come against a subpar Dallas defense and a San Francisco defense that we knew was going to be bad. That being said, if you'd have told me at any point this year that the Los Angeles Rams would lead the NFC West, I'd have told you you were crazy. So, well, same with the Bills. Of course, if you'd have told me that the Giants would be zero and four, I'd be laughing. Oh, yeah, that too. And if you thought the Giants, or if you would have told me that the Jaguars would be 2-2, two and two, I would tell you, what have you drunk, and where can I buy it? Well, I mean, you technically had two winnable games, you just didn't win the two winnable ones. Uh, this is why they are an enigma. I can only imagine what's going to happen at the parking lot of Everbank now. <laughs> Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, you guys are about to get absolutely trucked this weekend. Sadly. But, all right, let's move to, let's move to our college, legit or not. And I'm going to preface this by saying that legitimate threat to Alabama, and that would be Georgia. Brandon. I... I want to say yes, but with with everything involved, I just don't see it. Eric, how about you? Personally, I am going to say yes. I think for everybody who is talking about Kirby Smart and... The decision to hire him and letting Mark Richt go, he's putting together something very sneaky up in Athens. If I'm Alabama, I would plan a little bit more. Now, granted, the whole thing about Nick Saban, former assistants and blah, blah, blah. Kirby might get one up on him. Just might. I, I just I don't think Georgia has the firepower to take down Alabama. As a Florida fan, they scare the crap out of me in the SEC East. And frankly, I would not be surprised to see them put it on us in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I'm obviously going to be watching. I'm going to be rooting for my Gators. But it would not surprise me at all to see Georgia beat us this year. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I'm just going to stop now. Moving on. <laughs> all right, Eric. So now it's going to be a question of who do you buy as a more legitimate college football playoff contender? The Big 12's TCU. Between those or, two? 
or the Pac-12's Washington State. Okay, I missed the first one. You cut out a bit. Washington State or... TCU. Oh. Who's a more, who is a more probable candidate to crash the college football playoff? I'm going to explain a little bit why when it comes to are you serious? But I'm really liking Washington State. I think that my boy, Mike Leach, he's had a couple of recruiting classes. He's finally got his quarterback. They're getting their offense. And you're starting to see this Cougars program get those big wins. Lest we forget what just happened against USC and the fact that for only about the second time in the past 20 years, we're saying, hey, the Apple Cup could really be a factor in when it comes to a conference championship. With TCU, they've got a lot going on, especially in the Big 12, but there is something that's saying they're not quite there yet. They're awfully close, but not there yet. So, yeah, go Cougs. Brandon, TCU or Washington State, who's the more likely candidate to crash the college football playoff? Yeah, definitely Washington State. I mean, TCU, I mean, not to mention the fact that the Big 12 is going to have a tougher time getting into the playoff to begin with because of the way their whole system is and everything. But, yeah, Washington State, I think, is definitely the uh, closer contender. I don't think either one of them will get in, but if I had to choose between the two, it's Washington State. And that is going to officially wrap up our buy or sell segment here. We're going to quickly run through the lane train just because Steven's not here, so he can't expand upon it. Florida Atlantic actually won their first Conference USA game with Lane Kiffin as their coach, defeating Middle Tennessee State, the same team that went to Syracuse on the big payday and won. This week they play Old Dominion at Old Dominion. Old Dominion's been kind of a spotty team this year. They've had two really good performances, and then they've laid two complete and total eggs as well. Mm. I... They're just... Oh, Lord. Uh, I'm very thankful that I got myself some very delicious, cheap alcohol if I have to sit through that one. Yeah, there may there there may be no Miami Florida State game for you this weekend, Eric. Yes, because yet another potential hurricane. And guess who's right on the edge of the cone of uncertainty for that one? If I ever told you how glad I am to live in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Although, hey. They don't make YouTube videos about the cities in our state. Not yet, anyways. Yeah, but Bruce Springsteen doesn't write songs about you guys either. Touche! Touche! 
And with that being said now, um, for the record, I think Old Dominion beats Florida Atlantic in Old at Old Dominion. If this game were in Florida, I think I would give Florida Atlantic a better opportunity to win, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Old Dominion here. We'll talk more about the lane train next week when Steven's back because this is more of his shtick since he's the one that predicted them to do well. So not to mention we're running a little long tonight due to the extended conversations that we had earlier. All right, we move on into our predictions. It is now time for – are you serious, Brandon? You said you're on a bit of a time crunch. Go ahead and hit it, sir. Let me just get my predictions out. Go go for it. Start with college. Brandon, can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Sorry, I had it muted. Can you hear me now? Uh-huh. Okay. College. I'm gonna go with NFL first since I haven't pulled it up. Have it pulled up. I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers beating the Patriots. It's not a huge upset, but I think I could see it. I, I could see it happening. And your college upset? My college upset is gonna be NC State over Louisville. I mean, two ranked teams going at it, but Louisville is the, the NC it's State the is the lower ranked, ranked team. team. Yeah, so I mean, technically, by our standards that we've established here for Are You Serious, that would qualify. Brandon, thanks for joining us, man. We'll talk to you next week. Yep, talk to you guys next week. All right, Eric. That goes back to just the two of us now. Before uh, before you do yours, I'm going to go ahead and get Stevens out of the way here. His NFL upset is Kansas City over is Houston over Kansas City. Excuse me. And his college upset, I have to scroll back and find it. So while I stall for time here, do to do to do do to do to do do to do to do. This is killing me. Is NC State over Louisville as well? Oh boy. Well, I I, I, I kind of am thankful that only one of my upsets was taken. <laughs> but I, because seeing the NFL schedule and. Believe it or not, there are still four games that don't even have lines right now. That's a little bit of a shock. Well, injuries play a part in that. Sometimes you don't know if to rather somebody's available in time in order to put a line on the game. Because obviously, if say Gronk, because Gronk came up on the injury report for New England this week. Say Gronk isn't able to play against Tampa Bay, that dramatically alters that line. Oh, yeah. Well, they still have a line. Uh, Patriots 5 Patriots minus five and a half, which, yeah, my money would be on the box as well. But since that was already there, if I had to go another up, why is the Browns, why are the Browns a point and a half favorite? Because they're playing the Jets and the Jets are actually awful, even though Jacksonville did everything they could to make them look not awful. Yeah, but the Browns, they just got beat by Cincinnati terribly at home. Vegas, you must have something I don't know about, but in what I see is something of a pick'em game under the circumstances. Although the team, there is one team favored by a point and a half, my NFL upset. Niners over the Colts. The Niners looked a lot better against Arizona all throughout that game. 
than Indy did against Seattle. Let's be realistic here, people. Yeah, well, you just mentioned my NFL upset. I'm actually picking Cleveland to beat the Jets. Well, te- yeah, that's why I was wondering. Technically- I don't think. Th- I I know the Browns are a favorite, but at the same time, the record indicates otherwise. The Jets are two and two. The Browns are zero and four. I don't think the Browns are a bad zero and four team. Yeah, Cincinnati put it on them, but this is a Cleveland team that played Pittsburgh really tough in their season opener. No, extremely true, and I get that. Which is why I'm not questioning that aspect. I'm just kind of questioning Vegas a little bit. But I'm not one of the Sharps, so I can't question too much. But I did kind of allude to this earlier on in our buy or sell segment. College? I got West Virginia going and beating TCU. (laughs) I think it's... Go yeah. ahead. This West Virginia, with how they did against the Virginia Tech, in a really up-and-coming Virginia Tech team, something about this and something in the Big 12, even though it's on the road, TCU has still looked, while impressive, fishy. I think the Mountaineers can go and bite them. So it took everything I had in me to bite my tongue while you were making you guys were making your predictions as to as far as who you thought were the bigger threats to crash the college football playoff. Because my upset pick for this week is Oregon beating Washington State. Ah, uh, mm. I- this is a. This is a 4-1 and one Oregon team. Granted, that loss was an embarrassing loss, but this is still an Oregon team that is much improved from last year's 4-8 and eight team. Yeah, but if we're talking a classic Pac-12 shootout, I got to say... But allow me to expand on why here. I think, I think Washington State's in for a letdown after beating USC at home and going to having to play in Eugene does them no favors. And and I get that. I completely understand. But again, I think this is going to turn out to be one of those classic Pac-12 shootout type games where it's going to be first one to 60 wins. And I think with a Mike Leach offense, Washington State can get there just a little bit faster. Well, what I think it's going to end up coming down to is I think this has the potential to be one of those last ball wins kind of games. Mm, very true. Very so, true. So we'll end up seeing what happens there. It'll definitely be a game worth staying up late on Saturday night for to watch. No, I'll say. <laughs> and definitely one that, well, since the girlfriend's going home early on Saturday, I will have the availability to stay up late and watch on Saturday night as well. She's... Going to go watch your Jaguars play. There's so many things that I could say with that one. I'm just not. My my girlfriend's a Steelers fan. Her brother's a season ticket holder. He's taken her to the game. Okay. Now that... Alright. Yeah. That's much understandable. I mean, come on, Steelers. I have a lot of Steelers fans in my life, too, so... <laughs> she she lives 20 minutes outside of the city, sir. I 
I don't have a choice in this one. Trust me. If I did, I would. But, Most but, at, of... least, but at least it's a good team, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be different if she were a Cowboys fan. I don't think we could be together if she was a Cowboys fan. <laughs> yeah, that... Mm. Again, there's a lot more stuff that I could say in my head right now, but I'll pass. Oh, no, I'll say it out loud. Our, our team did not lose to the Rams last week. Yeah. No, I was actually going to go on a completely different road, but yeah. Mm-mm. Not for this show. Point of viewer, maybe. <laughs> there's... There's a joke about her being a Bills fan there, but then that leads to stadium shenanigans, and frankly, nobody needs that. Well, hey, I mean, Bills, Steelers, you never know. You know, it would make more sense if she was a Browns fan, given my Bills fandom, because of the fact that those two teams kind of have a history. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you once we get off the air here. But, um... Yeah... I think that's going to about do it for us. I just told Sean that we were wrapping up. Hopefully he actually sees the message now. And if he doesn't, then he can just cut it and edit it once we're done. <laughs> the advantages of having a producer while we are doing these recordings. Exactly. So, I know he's a little bit preoccupied because he's finishing up prep for what should be a new episode of Soccer to the Max coming very shortly. Uh, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-mm. Tonight? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Tomorrow's football to the max. In addition here on the W2M Network of Shows, you can find myself and Sean's Wrestling to the Max co-host, Paul Leeser, as we do the NXT coverage for this week here for Wrestling to the Max as well. So you can check out all that in addition to so much more in regards to the W2M Network as well as the Wrestling to the Max family of podcasts. Myself and Patrick Ketza will have Wrestling Unwrapped reacts to... WWE's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this Sunday night, right after the pay-per-view. In addition, our preview article is being worked on. It should be posted sometime Thursday, Friday-ish. So make sure you guys keep an eye on the website for that, www.w2mnet.com. And you can find so much more in regards to the world of football, soccer, video games, wrestling, and anything else you can think about over on w2mnet.com. So, for the departed... Brandon Bing, Eric Watkins, and our executive producer, Sean Garmer. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been Episode 5 of The Kickoff. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.